Welcome to episode 604 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 604 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good. It's another balmy day in paradise and in the Northern Hemisphere. the athlete. best summer of all time, haven't we? We're going to keep going on about this, this will, summer. Let's be honest, because people need us to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it is the best summer we've ever had. It's very, very, very good. Not just good, We'll guys. let the statisticians tell <clears> us if it's the best ever, but... Who's our, stat- who's our weather statistician? Dawson's our, our geek, but not in weather. Jim not- Hickey. Jim Hickey, who's the new guy? Dan? Don't know, he's a pom. His name's Dan, isn't it? Yep. Dan, I don't watch the weather. Do you fast forward through the weather? I never watch the weather. Yeah. I don't watch weather. I don't watch war. <laughs> Unless it's close to home, there's no war close to my home. You're a lover, not a fighter. That's right, you, you know, you just look at the good stuff in the world. So news for me, sports number one. Yep, <clears throat> 36 minutes in or 37 minutes in. Yep, local politics, I do like a bit of local politics. And a couple of good series. So it's probably, we probably watched 25 minutes of the news. That's a lot. Well, the weather's hard. And, and to be honest, this uh, this summer, and I can't give crap because we always start with the weather, but this summer, pretty much every night of the news, we've had a weather story as well, haven't we? Yeah. Not just the weather, a weather story. There you go. Oh, it's been all good. I Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Galactic Buffer Health IQ. They are a new sponsor and they're an insurance company, a life insurance company that helps health conscious people to lower, get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash Talk to support the show and see if you qualify. Again, it's only for American listeners. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. We'll talk about that later on the show. John and some patrons. Phil, the big brown whitehead. <laughs> Why do we call him big brown? Because he said, this is right, he sent an email and he worked out, I think. He oh, that's right. We got it wrong, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. He we thought it was a poo factory or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a car factory. Okay, I own a Mackenzie, my roommate in uh, when we were in Kona and uh, Snow Trooper. And Jonathan, the ringer pike. Yeah, okay. And this week's show, we've got, we've got some news. We've got a discussion of the week. We have, we're not going to do age group, we've got a coach's corner. We're going to interview John. Yes, I had a chat with Joe Skipper yesterday. He's, he's one of my favourite interviews on, on yeah. the show. He's great. He's uh, pretty entertaining. And I've got a few stock standard questions that lead on from this week's uh, discussion of the week. And one of them is around how do you feel when you're lining up against drug cheats? And he answers the question. And then just before we finish, he comes back to the question again because he wanted to fire up about it. Oh, really? So, yeah. He's always not shy of an opinion. No, Joe, I love Joe. He's one of the the nicest guys in the sport, one of the most honest characters, and just got a great energy about him. Uh, Okay, John, well, this weekend is – the season kind of kicks in this year weekend, and it's kicking off with a strong start at Challenge Wanaka. It is. So this year, Challenge Wanaka is a half-distance pro race. They still have the full, um, but they have the half. And, look, the the reason they changed uh, for this is is every year they'd get a pro field – and you'd have, you know, just a handful of top pro guys, maybe three or four serious contenders, and then on the girls it would often be, you know, two a horse two race. horse race. Yep. Maybe you'd have three decent girls in there, but it'd end up being a two horse race when someone's not having the greatest day. So they made the change, a bit controversial at the time. Everyone yeah, was it, it, wondering yep, what yeah. was going to happen to the to the long course because it is an epically awesome long course race. Highly recommend it. 
But they made the change for right or wrong, and uh, whatever has happened, they've come up with a stellar field. Come up trumps everything, because really. this, this is a bloody good field. Mm. You know, uh, somewhat, you know, we've got quite a few really good Kiwis in there, obviously. Which you'd expect. Which you'd expect. Especially because I knew, I mean New Zealand coming up. But this would be a strong, very strong 70.3 half Ironman field anywhere in the world. So... Kicking it off, Javier Gomez, we literally just got the email through that he is 100% confirmed to be racing. There was some questions whether he was racing in a team or not. It was a bit ambiguous, apparently, but he's lining up. You've got to think that he's going to be raging hot favourite, but he's in the middle of his off-season. Yep. And a lot of our other athletes, they're not mugs, and if he's not on his top game... I don't. I think that he could get beaten. Quite. Well, and it's what's so cool about this race because he won't be in his peak. Now, Javier is always pretty close to peak, but mm. but at the same time, you know, Braden Curry, he is you know, an he's axe seventy point three athlete. Last year he had, a, he had a sprint finish with um, Ben Hoffman. He's won seventy point threes. He is the real deal and probably in pretty bloody good shape. And hometown advantage. Mm-hmm. Like, this is his hometown. If anyone knows a course, it's going to be him. Yep. you got Jesse Thomas in there as well. So, extremely well-performed athlete. Uh, don't know what sort of shape he'll be in. Middle of his off-season as well. Uh, you got Dylan McNeese, who's a long-course champion. Now, a, a dark horse to throw in there is Tony Dodds. He's a, a former short-course athlete. Missed out on Commonwealth Games selections. Been to... How do you think he's going to go? to the Olympics. Look, I think he'll go okay. He's not renowned being an, a weapon on the bike. Okay. So, I th- but th- it's so hard to know with those ITU athletes. Um, but he'll, I'm sure he'll be there or thereabouts. Uh, Joe is racing. Joe Skipper. Joe Skipper is racing, who you hear from later today. And when he's on fire, he is kicking some serious butt. Uh, you've got Dougal Allen, who is, you know, a weaker swimmer, but as strong as anybody in the world on the bike. Uh, Luke got Bell. Luke Bell. Luke McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's awesome field. Great field. Really, what about really, the girls? Uh, good good field on the girls' side as well. You've got uh, Laura Sedell, who is back. She's you know done very, very well in the full distance here. She's had uh, second places, so obviously trying to step up. Annabelle Luxford, who is a weapon at the half distance, very, very strong former ITU athlete, hasn't really transferred across to the full yet, but I, I'm sure she's been a medalist or very close to the podium at 70.3 champs. So she would definitely be... Uh, the favourite, I would say. Uh, you got Amelia Watkinson, who is based out of uh, Thailand, and uh, she's been winning loads of races. So, look, the girls' field is good. you got Hannah Wells as well. Um, so, overall, two quality fields. Yeah, it's great. It's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, bring it on. So, Bevan's going to be down there, and it's looking like I'm probably going to be heading down as well, hopefully. So, if that happens, then I will be doing lots of post-race interviews I think we all want to hear from Javier Gomez on what his plans are. So if I get the opportunity uh, to go down, then I'll be getting that mic in front of him for as long as I possibly can. Uh, So, yeah, in the full this year, um, numbers are... Interesting numbers, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. so this is a destination race. Beyond, lots of the pros will always say when they go to races, oh, it's beautiful races here and there and different parts of the world, it's a beautiful race. But I think you can honestly, if you hear from the athletes next week, honestly, it is... what the if not the most beautiful race anywhere in the world, it's got to be right. It's right kind of, and the great thing about the race is it's completely beautiful every aspect of it. Like the mm. swim in the lake is stunning. And you know, A, it's a lake water, it's, it's pretty crisp. Although this year with the weather, we're having such amazing weather. Did we mention not, the weather again? Well, it's, it's actually not that cold. We go, <laughs> we go camping there with Porno over Christmas 
and uh, you go there, and normally, you know, you're getting in the water a bit, you know, you, you know, you kind of slowly get in the water. This year was awesome, and it's, you know, it's a month ago. So, um, the water, the swim's amazing. The bike ride's cool, challenging, but cool. And then the run is just beautiful. And Wanaka is a tiny town. I've just done the Google of population of Wanaka, six thousand four hundred and seventy-one people. It's go. a small place, um, but the whole area around there, Queenstown, is just. If you're ever coming to New Zealand and you've only got say a week, you just fly straight to Queenstown. You do Wanaka, Queenstown, the surrounding areas. It is awesome. So that's one of the reasons I'm quite keen to get down there for the weekend as well as watching the race. It's just a, a wicked spot to get to. So interesting stats, Paul John's pulled up here. So if we look at last year in the fall, uh, this year obviously got no pros we had 120 starters in the full this year there's 110 so we basically just haven't got the pros so the full field for the age group races pretty much stayed the same which is small though yeah it is small and uh, in the half we had 450 individuals last year oh this year sorry last year we just had over 400 so there is a jump in the half even with the pros Mm. um and they also have teams and stuff as well so you know that that bolsters up numbers quite a bit so it's a cool race because it's... Is it for, only for individuals? It's only for individuals. Okay. So, uh, and they do get a lot of teams down there. So I'm, I'm guessing they'll have, you know, I don't know, yeah. getting up towards a thousand people all up. Yeah, probably at least. Uh, so it's it's a small race, but it doesn't really feel that small. And it's a good spectator race as well because you can see the whole swim. Stay in town all day. You stay in the town. You see them come past on the bike a couple of times. And uh, and for the full, you get to see them a couple of times on the run as well. So, um, yeah. Look, I suppose the question we have to ask is, will the full be around in the future? Mm. And, and we don't really know, but it'll be interesting to see if this really is a huge success as a half. And, and let's be honest, as a pro, I can't see it going back to being a full pro oh, race. No way. You know, especially no way. what they've pulled off this year. So, you know, is it worth having the full if they're, you know, only getting 110 people? Although you've got your teams in the full, but... One you know. thing I would say as well is uh, if you're ever considering coming out to New Zealand, now you can sort of do the combo where you do Challenge yeah. Wanaka. Um, you could do the half or the full, um, but then it's only sort of a couple of weeks gap between that and doing Ironman New Zealand now. So um, the the option of doing both if you want to have a, you know, a three-week holiday in New Zealand is... Um, do, you know what, do you know what's actually even better, John? Mm? Well, in 20 years from now, when this, this race is just a really full, it's got a great history, John Houston got second in the full one year. Third, actually. Oh, third. And it was third with an asterisk. Why? Because I did finish fourth, but uh, got bumped up to third. Why did you get bumped up to third? Because the glove man. Oh, Pete Fabrusic. No, no, I mean in the half. Oh, the half. I got third in that, too. Uh, I got fourth. Mm. Third last year, that wasn't... Uh, that was a atrocious Bevan joint. called it too early. It was, your, it was yours. <laughs> he called it far too early. <laughs> you cracked. Um, G-Long, 70.3 is coming up over in the ditch in Australia this weekend. So good luck to all you people over there racing. They've got a, a few good pros racing. I saw uh, um, Tim Van Berkel, I think, was down there and a bunch of other guys. So I'm sure they'll have a good race over there. Okay, so Mike Threadgold sent through a email to us just saying, just in case we didn't see, Sarah True slash Groff has announced that she's signed up to do Ironman Frankfurt. She could crush it. It will be interesting, he says. She's just Sarah True or Sarah Groff is a IT, very good ITU athlete. She got fourth um, at the Olympics, didn't she? Uh, no, I don't think so. She bombed out in Rio. She crashed out, I'm sure of it. She may have done well in the previous Olympics. Let me have a look. But she's a very good performing athlete on the ITU circuit. Certainly had um, podiums and probably had wins as well. And I'm not sure if on the top level she had wins. But a very strong athlete. Very good swimmer. Very good runner, obviously. Again, it's a bit like when I was talking about Tony Dodds from New Zealand before. Uh, she finished fourth. 
At which ones? Oh, wait a second. She represented the United States in triathlon in 2012, finishing in fourth place. Yeah, 2012, 2016. I said at crashed, the Olympics. crashed out at the Olympics. I said at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> We're both right on this occasion. <laughs> uh, I've got my doubts about her biking ability, um, but it's just so hard to tell. So she might, you know, I, I would have had my doubts about um, um, Fredino's biking ability coming out of ITU. So it's really hard to predict. She might absolutely smash it. She's going to have a great fitness base. Um, She's an Equithon world champion. Nice. Not 2007. Mm-hmm. That, that goes with your argument. She can swim and run. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see what she can do on the bike, but she could spice it up a bit. 36. Over the hill. Well, interesting. Interesting. You don't oh, see Bevan, that. You've, you've, you've slid straight into the next topic. Well, I didn't do that deliberately, but it's interesting because you don't see many of the ITU people come over that late, do you? They're at the very end of their career. You know, you think about um, Bevan Doherty, people like that. They would have uh, yeah, switched over to about, that, that. about that age. Well, John, you know, I am a genius because Thorsten has a great article called um, The Age of Kona Winners on TryRating.com. It's an actually a really interesting article. And he's looked at basically what is all the different years, what were the ages of the winners, and then kind of done some st- stats around what are the averages and stuff. Now, it is a little bit influenced by dominant periods by certain athletes. So you've got Dave Scott... Mark Allen, Paula Newby-Fraser, Natasha Batman, and he, he's kind of got the Stadler, McCormick, Alexander era, Wellington, Reef, and so on. So that is pretty interesting, but some interesting thoughts here, isn't there? Yeah, so go to tryrating.com and check it out in a bit more detail. It's, it's got a nice graph on there that really sort of shows you the spread of ages, and probably unsurprisingly, um, the ages the, the bulk of the winnings range from the age of 29 through to 34. So I pinged Torsten a, a question back and said, what's actually the average age in sort of the modern era since, uh, say, 2000? Yeah. And uh, very even, 32. 2.8 years for the men and 32.9 for the woman. Wow. So Makes Crowey's last result look even more impressive because that was the day he smashed it too, wasn't it, 2011? Mm. He was 38, mm. you know? And then if we even go back, now this is an earlier period, but Dave Scott, when he got second at like 42. Yeah, but there's, there's you know, yeah, there's no real young winners there. You know, in the early era there was. You know, you had um, athletes winning at age 23, 24, 25. Crowey was only 26. Yeah. Uh, but that and that that's a bit of a you know uh, take him out. He's pre two thousand. So if we if we're calling the you know two thousand the modern era, Daniela Reef in twenty fifteen, she was age twenty eight, and then after that, you know, it's, it's twenty nine and up. Got a Harry Eagle must have had an interesting career. He only won it once, didn't he? Who's that? Harry Eagle. Yes, he had quite a few podiums. Yeah, but he did only. So won it at twenty six. Mm. You're thinking you've got a long career in front of you, haven't you? Mm. You know? And that one that was can't. interesting was Ferris Olsen was only 27 when he won it. So that's the young one mm-hmm. in the modern era. And, he, and he'd had a progression as well because I think, I think he went like third, second, first or, or, or very close to it. So he was actually, you'd say he's the youngest in the modern era and then mm. Daniela. Mm. It's pretty interesting because Ferris was the guy who kind of didn't look that young when he won it. No, he didn't, did he? It's a beard. The yeah, beard it was, was a beard and the hippie hair yeah. and the speedos, mm. you know? Pubes the other side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, good article. We'll put it on the show notes for this week's show. Um, Jombo, coast to coast happened this weekend. 
Uh, we talk about this race every year. It's an iconic New Zealand multi-sport race. They call it the World Championship, and I said to somebody, how, how come it's the World Championship? And they said, when you name your own race, you can call it a World Championship. It's like the Baseball World Series. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Dojo domination <laughs> by Sam Clark, who does also dabble in triathlon, but certainly excels more in the multi-sport sort of facets. So they start off with a, what is a 70k bike ride, uh, and then, or they have a 3k run before that, and then they do a 70k, uh, no, it's not 70, it's a 55k bike ride, 33k mountain run that this year took him 2 hours 56, so you basically call it a marathon. They have a small intermediate 15k bike ride, then they're on the kayak for um, 67ks, which takes uh, this year took 4 hours and 9 minutes, and then they finish off with a 70k bike ride. So Sam Clark just dominated the dojo with an 11 hours 14.33, uh, nearly half an hour in front of Alex Hunt in second and James Preto in third. On the girls' side of things, it did start to uh, get fairly close. Robin Owen from South Africa was leading. Who got second last year. Yeah. And the same thing happened last year. Last year she got out of the boat with a massive lead and got mowed down. And so I was commentating, I was doing the voice work at the race, where they got out of the boat. And she was miles ahead. I think she was about mm. 20 minutes. 20 minutes this year. Yeah. And w that was the comment. It was like, well, you think she's going to win it. It's but you're not wouldn't put your house on it. It's a 70k ride. Yeah, you know, 20 minutes and 70k's, but it is at the end of the race, and this is you know longer the longer duration for these athletes than an Ironman um, for for a winning time at least. Yeah. So it ended up getting very close. Sophie Hart, who's a former winner, got within um, within four minutes by the end. So she would have been packing herself, uh, as she, but she still managed to hold on. So well done to Robin Owen. She came in 12 hours 44 to Sophie Hart's 12.48 and then a gap back to Simone Mayer, who we know has done Challenge Wanaka and done uh, the podium there. Yep. She was in 13.02. German athlete. Um, Jumbo. Interesting piece on Side Twitch this week around Gwen Jorgensen. She went into an indoor 5K race and pulled off a 5.15. That's pretty interesting because no, – oh, sorry, 15.15. 15. 15. Um, but what's pretty interesting because it was like 40 seconds faster than her previous PB or 35 seconds or something like that. It's a long way to be running around a 200-meter track. I know next to nothing about indoor athletics – but it's a 200-meter track. That's a lot of laps of a 200-meter indoor track. I assume this track that they did it on was 200. That's sort of the fairly standard sort of um, distance. It may have been shorter, may have been longer. But uh, yeah, just on the face of it, you go 5K, 15-15. It's not mucking around. Well, if you pull off the, pull off the VDOT. So if you go, if you pull out your VDOT calculator on your phone, you got one of those, John? I, I, I use the online version. But there's a really good app. I'll tell you what it is. It's brilliant. It's actually a really good app. Um, it's called... V.cal, very good app. You just mm -hmm. plug your numbers in and it does it for you. So 15.15. So that, that, that pace, we're saying she's going to be doing around about a 2.26 marathon, which is world class. Mm -hmm. A little bit off the best, but it's it's, it's up there. It's right It's up, up there, there, isn't it? I tell you what, and then she, John pulled off some interesting things as well, but I tell you, she's looking lean now, isn't she? She's always looked lean, but she, she looks like a runner. Yeah. And I, I was asking jo I asked Joe Skipper, you'll hear about this later on, about uh, what he could run for a fresh, fresh marathon. And one of his comments, I'm just too big, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, and triathletes in general, especially Ironman yeah. athletes, are too big. But she's always looked like a runner. She's lean and lanky. Look, at the end of the day, this was a hit out for her. And for her to pull Good off that time out. was like, that's pretty impressive. Well, her coach, who's her coach? John, Joe, mm, someone? He was saying he thinks she could do a... 15, 15, 15, 25. 
So she nailed it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But John then when he looked at the last world championships of 3,000 metres, and Indoor. the time of the winners was around about three eight. So I thought to myself, she's right up there because if you pull out the V dot, that means she's probably around about an eight forty five. But then John looked deeper and did some really good work here. So at the World Indoor Championships, they do three thousand meters, not five thousand meters. Um, But it looks like it's generally a fairly tactical race because uh, they're pulling off that last K and sort of around about two thirty to two (laughs) forty. That is moving. So the winning times are eight. Uh, 8.47 for, that was in 2016, I think it was. And then they do the world champs every two years. The, the other one was 8.55. But they go through, and the, with this 8.55, they went through two 2Ks in 6.16. So they're coming home extremely fast. So, uh, and the first K was only 3.24. So, yeah. Wow! So they are seriously three. Tw- the, so they're basically jogging the first K <laughs> yeah. for their level. For, yeah, when you consider a three twenty four, they're they're not going a minute quicker, but they're going you know fifty fifty odd seconds, forty five. Imagine seconds that last that, that, that last K is intense, then isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So look, she's heading in the right direction. She's not aiming to be a, a fifteen hundred meter to five K runner. She's aiming to be a marathon runner. And um, it's the gold of the Olympics. Impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, but gold medal. Well, when's that? It's one of a. Two years away. 2020 and then 2024. Wow. Well, based on this, she's on the right path, isn't she? Mm. Yeah, good on her. Uh, She did a little video about the race. Mm -hmm. Quite a highly produced video. You've got to remember as well that she's coming back from childbirth. Six months ago. Mm. She's an axe. She looked good too. Did you watch the video? I watched bits of it. She She had to hand off the baby. The baby wasn't behaving. No, she does have the old hunched shoulders. She's always had that. Yeah, (coughs) relax your shoulders. Um, I'll put the video. There's a video that she produced um, only for a YouTube channel. I'll put it in the show notes so you guys can check that out. John's ITU update. We kicked off this weekend in Cape Town. Short course. So it's a, a lot of the World Cup races, so the World Triathlon Series is majority Olympic distance, but a lot of the World Cup race, which is second tier... So is, why does it uh, have such a strong field? Oh, you can still go... And, there's no rules around what, where you can and can't race, but um, in terms of if you're racing on the World Triathlon Series, you can still do World Cups. Prize money's less, points are less, but if it's your hometown race, like it was in this case, for Henry Schumann and Richard Murray, you do it. then you, you're going to line up and do it. You, gosh, Cape Town, what a nightmare in terms of uh, the water and stuff there, so it's good they've still got some events What's going. What's happening with that? Oh, it's just... just There's no solution? No, not at this stage. Imagine that. Running out of water. I mean, it happens in third world countries, not all the time, but for first world country, it is just a nightmare. Anyway, we won't go on about that, but uh, good to see they've still got a race there. So Richard Murray ended up taking... He's not allowed to drink in it. Sorry? They they weren't allowed to drink in the race. (laughs) Yeah, it was a a sprint. It was a dry race. What was impressive here, so Richard Murray uh, ended up winning the race, which is no great surprise. Said that he had some troubles getting out of uh, his wetsuit in T1, but the article, the the, the, the results don't necessarily back this up, but it said he was first out of the swim which I find very hard to believe, and I haven't seen any video footage, but it said that he struggled to get his wetsuit out of the, out of the swim, but it did say he was first out of the swim. Well, that's not I'm true. Thinking that's no, because you look at swim times, mm. Schumann went, what, 17 seconds faster? Mm. Which, yeah, which is what you'd expect. But anyway, Richard Murray took it out. He came home on the run with a 14.25 to beat uh, Henry Schumann by about 20 seconds, and uh, Lucas Peril uh, Perty in third place. And on the girls' side of things, the old uh, Commonwealth... 
girls, the Poms, uh, took it out with Vicky Holland winning in 58-18. And then uh, Non Stanford, who I think might be her, one of her training buddies, was second in 58-52. And Zanet Bragmayer was third in 59-07. And what I'm, one point I want to make is it's just so cool looking at these results and just seeing the diversity of countries yeah. because this is a second tier race. It's a World Cup race. And it, it, back in the day, you'd go to these races and you you might have, you know, it'd be like kind of like a, an Ironman um, pro field. You'd have a smattering of um, pros from around the world and then it would be, you know, 25 local pros. But here, it's like you'd expect to see a whole load of South Africans. And yeah, there are a few in there but countries from all over the place. So it's just, it just goes to show what a good job ITU have done of really diversifying the sport and having a tiered system. So, you know, to get on that top tier is bloody hard. And but there's got a development be, pathway. You've got to be seriously good. Then you've got the World Cup Series, which is your, your, your rung below, and then you've got your Continental Cups, which is the, the rung below that. So, um, Do you want to go a question for you? If you were to pick your top five ITU athletes, you know, you know, overall, maybe not necessarily fit right at this moment, but in the game right now, mm. give me your top five. Well, you'd go. You'd have to go um, the Norwegian fella, um, Blumenfeld. Uh, you'd go. You always put no. You'd go one day back. So number one, who's your number one? Brownlee. Oh, probably. I'd probably go. Are you talking? I've got to put money on this. One, yep. A one-off yep. race. You love a gamble. If this is a one. No, no. I'm, I'm just trying to because I'm thinking Richard well, you, Murray. He, like every, his name was everywhere last year. Yeah, but it was last year. It was changing a lot. So you had Murray and Mola uh, certainly dominating early on, and then at the tail end of the season, you had uh, Blumenfeld. Johnny Brownlee's always there or thereabouts, um, and a, a lot of the big Kahuna's who were crushing early on faded late in the season. So there's four of your five. You got Blumenfeld. So you wouldn't go me, isn't there? And, and Gomez was consistent all season as well, so he'd probably be your fifth. What about Alistair Burnley? We didn't really race last year. So you wouldn't have him in your top five? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about Chicks? Chicks uh, was hard last year. You put me on the spot there, but you've, you've always got Katie Zaveris. So you got, you'd, you'd always say, I'd basically say you'd have two Americans, two Poms, and a, either an Aussie or a Kiwi. That's pretty much how it rolls. The Poms, they interchange all the time. The Yanks interchange a fair bit. You had uh, Zaveris and a bunch of others, and then you have a random Kiwi or Aussie in there for the mix, either Andrea or one of the Aussies. I've got a great a great question that I want to ask you, but I think it's a discussion of the week. If you could have been any triathlete of all time, who would have you been? Um, let, let's save that for a discussion. Of the That's week. a good discussion of the week, isn't mm. it? Mm. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, not just results-wise, but who would you want to be race like? You know, like those kind of questions. Okay, mm. put that down for a discussion. We're John, I'm on fire today. Okay, Abu Dhabi is happening this on the 3rd and 2nd, 2nd and 3rd of March. Yes, that's coming up. That's the next round. That's the big kahunas uh, going head-to-head in the World Triathlon Series. And the other interesting result that I saw from South Africa, and maybe this is a typo, but maybe not, Simone Ackerman, who's a, a Kiwi, was a Kiwi girl racing for New Zealand. She was listed as racing for South Africa. So I wondered if she's changed her allegiance. And she's... Kiwi born, Kiwi made. Don't know much about her, but she was on the list as finishes in South African. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. I'm, on, I'm on Facebook, John, getting ready for the question. And this time last year, I was getting married. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Just Facebook reminds me of these things. I wouldn't yes. have remembered otherwise, obviously. And she uh, finished fourth place as well, Simone Ackerman. Oh, did she? Mm. That's pretty good then. Mm. Um, you keep talking because I'm trying to pull up this page. 
So next up, so Abu Dhabi is the next one. I haven't got anything for what the hell is going on this week. And now we have our discussion. Last week was what questions do you want us to ask the pro athletes? Because we did used to have our standard questions, which I'm going to reinstate about the wax or shave, your fastest half marathon, and a fastest fresh marathon pace, and then uh, for guys where they use facial moisturizer. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, used, you did this with Joe Skipper. Well, I selected some out of here that I like the look of. Okay, okay. Um, well, here we go. Rob Cummings has got how they found the transition to being a full-time pro if they came from age group racing, e.g. What's the difference between age group versus pro? How did they adapt to not having a conventional job? Was that change difficult emotionally, losing identity around their career? So a lot of, a, a lot of the athletes one followed that age group to pro pathway. I mean, there's certainly some, you know, thinking of like Rachel Joyce and Laura Siddell and things like that, but they had a quite a high level age group and then sort of made the switch across. Um, so we, we'll certainly ask that when uh, when the time's right, but I think a lot of the pros these days have come through the ranks and either come from a high level background in another sport or have come from a sort of short course background. Okay, Sarah Sutherland's got what piece of technology they use that has changed the way they train and race that they didn't uh, either have previously or didn't exist. That's an interesting one. Yep, yep. Well, I, I've, I've sort of brought that one in a little bit. You go again. Bevel's David Rose office. got, the, uh, are these additional to the wax shave and moisturizer? He, he wants to keep the old ones in. Haven't yes. seen David Rose, not been here in a while. Swanee Noah's got, is it compulsory once you retire to become a coach? Well, then they haven't retired, so they don't know, Swanee. Yeah, mate. Come on, sharpen up, Swanee Noah. Come on, mate. <laughs> Helltel's got, Do they? how do they feel about lining up against dopers? Uh, no such thing as ex-dopers. If you doped, you're a doper. Yes. Yeah, I think you asked uh, Joe Skipper that Karen one. Karen Telford, what do you say to fellow pro competitors that are friends with you when you pass them on the race course? Oh, in your face? Yeah, I think it would depend a little bit how quickly you pass them. If you were gassing past them, they might say something different than if you were just edging past them. Yeah, it's interesting because if, if your mate's struggling, mm. you can come on, mate, do your best. Mm. You know, if your mate's looking strong and you're just creeping past them, you don't even you don't even acknowledge them, do you? See, last year I had the problem where I was passing um, Tyrone on the run, and I actually coach him. <laughs> so I was like, "What do I say here?" And uh, I didn't say too much. Did you just say, like a, "Just say, there's a reason I'm your coach." Yeah. You say, "There's a reason I'm your coach." I think I said to him, uh, "Nice transition," because he gassed me in transition, and I think he said, "On oh, nice ride," <laughs> and that's about all we said. And I don't think he said anything when he passed me again. I was in my, my little hole. <laughs> Tell you what, he was feeling very good on the inside. <laughs> Christine McKinley, the grinder's got what is your pre-race breakfast, post-race meal? That one's made the cut, Chrissy. Nice. Uh, what do you eat and drink during a typical Ironman? That's that also from? made the cut. That is from Patrick uh, Patrick Walkington. We've got Roman, Romain, I'm going to say Benham. Uh Rough uh, segmentation of their incomes in percentage between prize money, part-time employment, sponsorship, coaching, federation support, investments, etc. That's interesting. So you don't necessarily ask for the money. Yeah. Just going to say, okay, well, you know, how much of it comes from prize money? How much comes? That's an interesting way of doing it. Uh, Peter Thorthouse, what's your favourite colour? <laughs> Didn't make the cut. We might throw it in randomly from time to time. Right? <laughs> what colour are your eyes? <laughs> uh, Mark Livesley's got, uh, how irritating is it to know motor pacing is going on? How much is that a problem? Back in the old days it was, but wasn't it? Yeah. Kona, you see the old photos. They've got the, they've got the old um, station wagon and got the, old, the, the lid up. All yeah. the photographers literally two metres in front of the cyclists. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Uh, Lynette Warren, uh, what supplements do you take and why? Okay. Nice. I, I, I think it's a good question, but I don't think we'll get a really good answer often because so many of them be sponsored, uh, be sponsored products, they kind of have to say what they've got to say. Yep. Trevor Custon's got, Trevor P. Custon's got, what would they like age groupers not to do? Okay, so this is what I've come up with, Bevan. You can tell me if you want to add any more. Is the standard questions. Firstly, I'll ask a question on drugs. How do you feel when you line up against someone who has had a positive drug test? I reckon what we should do, I, I think there needs to be a bit of variety here. Because if we ask the same questions, will we always get the same answer? I think we might have 10 questions, go-to questions. Okay. So some interviews, you'll pull them off. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you might do the drug one. Sometimes you might do... The drug one come out most times. You like the drug one, yeah. yeah. Yep. So I had the drugs one. The second one I had was around nutrition because I know lots of people are always interested in this. What is your pre-race uh, breakfast and your post-race meal? And what do you eat and drink during a typical Ironman? Because again, people are... It's quite, there might be quite a bit of variability out there. And then I do ask the question, technology, what technology do you use in training and do you use it in racing as well? And then I had the standard wax or shave, facial, facial moisturizer if we're asking a guy that question, and the open marathon time. Anything else you'd like to add to that, Bevan? No, I'm happy with those. I like, yeah. I've always liked the open marathon one. Mm. Yep, that, that's uh, people, you know. Remember, who was it? Um, who was the Rasmus Henning, I think it was. Yeah, 207. Yeah. Was it 270 is it? wasn't that quick, but no, it was like pretty quick. or something, yeah. Uh, 212, I think it was. Yeah. Hey, what are he doing nowadays? Interestingly, we had a... It was rain, It was raining here on Sunday <laughs> all day long. <laughs> and so we've now got a, a club room we can use for for, tri, for training for our juniors. And Where are you doing that? At Waltham Pool. Oh, great. And so we, I said, right, session's off, but we'll go and do an indoor trainer session, and we can have a little run outside as well. So we set the indoor trainers up, and I thought, right... It's time for a history lesson for these kids. I've got the DVD of the 2004 um, Beige, uh, Athens Olympics. Oh, wow. So I put that on for the kids on the big screen. Wait, 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 did you record it off TV or something, did no, you? No, I got given it, and it's, um, it's a, in a funny format. I want to upload it to YouTube, but it's in a funny format. It's kind of like a DVD movie type thing. It's not like a oh. MPEG file. You might be able to – I don't even have a DVD bloody no, drive No, that's a problem nowadays. Yeah, you don't really have the technology to get it off the drive. Anyway, I put that up for them, and uh, Rasmus Henning was out there busting it up pretty pretty oh, solidly. Really? Yeah. Did, where did he get? Don't know. But he was – He was he very was, tall. He was pushing hard in that second group on the bike because what happened is a breakaway got away. Now, did these kids know what happened in the race? They weren't even born. But did they know what happened? No. Oh, how oh, cool was I that? I mentioned it a few times, but 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 did you know that we won? Mm-hmm. Mm. No, beforehand. No, no. Oh, how cool so, would that been for them? Yeah. Did they enjoy it? They did. I mean, a two-hour <laughs> race is a long time to watch, and we didn't watch. I fast-forwarded bits and pieces, and it wasn't the most crisp picture, but it was. Uh, I was just trying to educate them a bit. And a moment of glory. We're not going to get any bloody Olympic medals at the Winter Olympics. We did get a fourth and a fifth. No, no, we might in the, in, the, in the um the sprinting, Speed the sprint. team sprint. We might do. Yeah. Let's be optimistic. We've got to be optimistic, John. Okay, uh, this week I've kind of vetoed slash extended your one. Okay. Because John, what was your one? It was like, what's the best comeback from injury? Well, because I was thinking of Tim Don, you know, he's on the comeback oh, path. That and, wins. Uh, There's only one, Tim Don. <laughs> but he hasn't made his comeback yet. Yeah, but it's happening. Yeah, it is. So biggest come, I had a biggest comebacks from a pretty major injury. This could be pros or age group. We want to keep it to triathlon. So you might know some age groupers who have come back from injury. Well, I extended it. Okay. So I've got this week, we are thinking about the best comebacks in the history of the sport this can be coming back from injury or amazing comeback in a race okay so it can be either like just coming back from adversity or it can just be you know like Rinny in the, in the bloody when she beat Reef you know that's an amazing comeback amazing balls. Uh, so if you can think of any great comebacks 
and it doesn't have to be injury or race. It can be anything that you think is a good comeback. Okay. You like that? You like the extension over there? We'll Together, it. we made it work. The audience will judge. Yeah, they will say, Bevan, this is bloody genius. Okay, Jombo, let's, do you want to do an interview? Or let's uh, just sponsor. 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 Which one do you want to do first? Let's look through the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pause. We'll be back in a second. Extreme Endurance, John. Tell me all about it. So fantastic for your training when you take the X-Endurance product. It will help you reduce your muscular soreness and inflammation and help you train faster. But we also need to think about post-race, uh, post-training as well. And they've got their protein product. So they've got uh, an awesome chocolate flavor and a delicious uh, vanilla flavor. It maximizes recovery. It's got 20 grams of protein supported by 18 amino acids, refuel with 1,500 milligrams of lactate, uh, supports new lean muscle growth, fortified with vitamins B6, B12, and D. It's gluten-free, hydrogenated, oil-free, preservative-free, trans-fat-free, and no RGRB. GH and HFCS free. So get on it. They've got their protein product. It comes in a two pound bag containing 30 serves. As I said, you can get it in chocolate or vanilla, and I can vouch for it being absolutely delicious and uh, will look after you very nicely straight after your training. So check out that. Uh, Do you know what's nice about it as well? It's nice it's a bit of a nice treat. Nice treat. You know, like a good protein, you know, like a nice, tasty, you know, some of that after a ride. It's actually really nice. It's not something you're going to take every single session. No. But after those key sessions where you really have beaten yourself up and you need to make sure you get in some good recovery. And yet you come in from a hard session and you, you're just fatigued, you know, and you're just, you just want to lie down on the couch and recover for a bit. And then you get something like that. And it's just, it's actually just a real nice kind of sense pleasure, isn't it? And it's easy. It's like powder. I use milk, ice, shake the crap out of it. As Bevan said, just lie down, relax, and enjoy some nice cold fluids. Well, it's nice when you have that satisfying training session when you come in and you are blottoed mm. and you are a bit of a zombie. And, you know, it's quite a satisfying moment. And then to kind of do something like that as well. So It's very easy when you come in from sessions, and I often go through this with athletes, is uh, to come in and just have shit food because you're just you're yeah. on the edge and yep. you just come in. And whatever's and fast. Grab whatever's easy and fast. You're just going to take it in. Whereas if you go, go down this path, you're going to be hydrating, you're going to be cooling off a little bit, and you're going to be able to look looking after your, your protein requirements as well. So check it out, xendurance.com. Promo code IMTALK20 gets you 20% off this and all other products. So if you go through the .com.eu or the .co.uk website, so check it out. Okay, next up we've got an interview with Joe Skipper, one of the favourite interviews we have on the show. So here is Joe Skipper right now. Okay, team, we've got uh, one of the crowd favourites on the show today, Joe Skipper. You'll recall uh, him having us in hysterics over and wrote uh, in the middle of last year when he had a fantastic second place, and he's been out to New Zealand before as well when he got uh, second at Ironman New Zealand in, in 2016. And he's uh, giving Challenge Wanaka another crack. He went there, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, and had all sorts of dramas with bikes and mishaps, and uh, so he's back for some, some vengeance. So welcome back to the show, Joe. Thanks, John. Yeah, great to be back on it. I've also brought my dad uh, this time along, who's uh, a good mechanic, so hopefully I shouldn't be having any uh, mishaps, as you say, uh, this time round. <laughs> nice. So what was the motivation to come back to New Zealand? Was it, um, obviously, you've got racing to do and try to earn some prize money, but is it was it about trying to get early season points from Ironman New Zealand and using Wanaka as a build into that, or, or why are you back? 
Oh, there's loads of reasons there, John. Like, but the weather in England at the moment is like terrible, uh, absolutely horrific. Um, but for, it's about four degrees, raining, miserable. Um, New Zealand this time of year is brilliant weather. Like, it's been about 26, 27 degrees since I've been here mm-hmm. every day. So that's a massive positive. And uh, also, last time when I came here, I just found the country amazing, like really nice. And I said to my girlfriend and uh, that, that like if I should do the race again sometime, and you should come over and. Uh, like we'll uh, I'll do the races and then we'll go on and do a bit of travelling afterwards. Nice. So that's that's one of the reasons. And then, like you say as well, then the actual going looking to the race. It's just I really enjoyed it last time. And uh, yeah, I want to get some points on the board for Kona as well because I'm looking to go there this year. So it's a good early season race to get in. So, but there's just so many reasons to come here. So it's the, it's my best like my favourite country I've been to out of all of them. So yeah, really enjoying being back here. Now, I've seen you posting on um, social media. You're down there doing some training with Dougal Allen. So he's a, um, you know, he's, he seems, from what we've seen, quite a methodical sort of dude. What, what, have, you, what have you learnt off him so far in, in the training sessions you've done with him or have you learnt anything, um, how he does things maybe differently to how you do things? Uh, well, he actually trains pretty similar to me. Like, the sessions are, like, fairly, fairly similar in the days. But he trains hard, like... Uh, it's relentless, like training with him. Actually, <laughs> during the day, <laughs> like up at the, it feels like. Well, I say up at the crack of dawn, and it's not really, but it feels like it is compared to what I'm used to back home. And then it's just like bang, bang, you know, from one session to the next. Uh, yeah, but it, no, it's been brilliant training with him. Like, well, our training's been like, like, well, I say our training. I've pretty much been doing his training plan, what Bevan set him, but that's very yeah. similar to what I would do. And then some sessions I'll tinker a bit and like might change the intervals to something which like, I wanted to do but it works out really well and it's been really good like we've both pushed each other really mm-hmm. really well nice. um the other day we did a time trial on the bike and uh, I just had my road bike out here at the moment because I've got a new TT bike and I've only just like built it up and I didn't want to be in and out of bike shops you know like I was last time so I thought mm-hmm. I'll let my, my dad bring it out when he comes and I'll just bring the road bike and I can get that built up in 20 minutes and that'll do for 10 days or two weeks or whatever um so we did so I said to him, well, give me a bit of a head start, you know, give me three minutes or so for this hour TT. It was on the first part of the challenge course where you go out to Treble Cone and back. Yeah. And I said, you try and catch me. So uh, he was like, yeah, you're all right then. So uh, I started off three minutes uh, ahead of him and I was thinking, oh, I can't let him catch me. No idea what he was doing. Got to the turnaround, so I had a bit of a gap on him. And then uh, I knew that would spur him on. Um, and it, but it worked really well. So we've been kind of like doing little things like that, like, handicapping it and, and stuff but it's been great fun like it's uh it's brilliant yep yep um he might be one of the the few that you're able to out swim yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he might be but did you see what my swim was getting to like at the end of last year no did you see what i did because bevan was laughing uh his coach because he told bevan oh joe's done joe's joe's down to a 51 minute ironman swim <laughs> And he laughed, and I was on, but Google was talking to him when he said it, and he said, when have you ever been a 51-minute swimmer? And I said, look at my last two Ironman races last year. I did 51 minutes at Challenge Almere, and I did 50 minutes at Barcelona, and I was only two and a half minutes down from the lead pack, or first person, I say lead pack, first person actually out the water in both of those races. So, so it's improving, you know. Gosh. Like, you know, if you're two and a half minutes behind the first person, it's not the end of the world, is it? Yeah. It's not as good as what, you know, it's not as good as what I want it to be, but... It's not as bad as what it has been, mm. um, and I think it's improving. Good. I've got a, I've got a quite a good finger now. I've been doing that swim smooth um, training plan. Nice. And, uh, it's, it's it's really good. 
So what sort of shape are you in this time of the year compared to where you'd, where you'd be in, in, say, July going into rote or when you're really in, in peak shape? Are you sort of at 90%, are you at 100% or, are you, you know, you just, where, where are you at? Um, I'd say my swimming's better than what it was definitely in rock because I kind of, like I said to you, I got, I've got a good thing going with that, like, swim smooth mm-hmm. training thing and I've got a couple of mates back home who we train with and that's really, that's really helped. Um, so I'd say my swimming is probably the best it's been. My cycling, I'd say my numbers are better because I've done I've had a lot of indoor training this year. I've done a lot on Zwift mm-hmm. just because I found it more fun, and I think that's like benefit, like had a big positive impact on my cycling. So I'd say my numbers are actually the best I've ever been. But then my running, I would say my running's not as good as what it has been in Roth, if I'm honest. Like mm. I'd say I'm running well, but I wouldn't say I'm running uh, at, like, as good as what I am in the peak of the su- summer. Nice. So what's your what's your plan for this year? You've said you want to you know make it back to Kona. Um, what what does the landscape look like between you know you've got Challenge Wanaka the half this weekend, you've got Ironman New Zealand say was that two or three weeks later, and then uh, what does the rest of the year look like for you? Um, I've I've entered Ironman Texas mm-hmm. in at the end of April, um, so I'm definitely going to do that one, and then after that I'm not really too sure because. I, w- I would like to look like see how I'm feeling after them two races see like how c- the Kona well I'd hope the Kona qualification's done to be honest if it isn't then I'll probably go and miss be- the, you know unless it was a me- unless a mechanical or an injury stopped me from doing well in them two races if I hadn't qualified then I'd probably give it a miss because in my head I say if you don't qualify you know in two Ironmans and you know and you don't have a mechanical or an injury or anything like that then really you're not really good enough to be on the start line you know because mm. you're just kind of kidding yourself you're going to go there and you're going to get your ass kicked aren't you <laughs> so if um if, if i did well in them two races and qualified which i hope which i'd hope to um then i'll go there um challenge roth in july or itu long distance worlds i think i'll do one of them mm-hmm. but i'm not too sure i think if i did really well in texas then i might do itu long distance worlds but I, I mean, it, oh, it's so hard to pick because they have up the prize money, haven't they? Now in Roth, mm. uh, and I've been obviously been second twice. So I would love to, well, I'd love to win the race anyway, regardless of what the prize money was, just because it's such an iconic race. Um, but obviously, the fact that they have up the prize money does make it seem very, very appealing. Um, but then I would like to do a good race at Kona because I feel like I haven't done myself justice there, and I don't know if Roth would be the best thing to do for that, you know. So mm. I'm really not too sure. After Texas, I'll have to play it a bit by ear. Um, what do you think, and, and have you spoken to other pros about the new qualification system that they're going to be introducing uh, from next year on, which essentially means you need to be mainly getting first or second at most Ironman races to, to qualify for Kona? Do you, do you like it that way, or do you sort of prefer the, the current system? Uh, no, I think that sounds a lot better. Um, like, I've been the bridesmaid at lots of races before, so, <laughs> you know, that always seems to happen, so I'd probably be all right. Um, but yeah, I like the sound of that where you can just do one race and if you do well, because I think it's criminal really that you can actually be an Ironman champion at the moment and not actually be on the start line in Kona. Mm. Like, I think if you've won an Ironman, then you should definitely be there. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I don't like, yeah, I think, I think it seems better because like you can just, you should, if you do well in one race, you should qualify, but, um, I'm not really, I'm really bothered what they do um mm. like I, w- I wouldn't really it doesn't really like matter really 
Cool. I've got some. We had, last week we actually had some questions in from listeners on some standard questions we're going to start asking pros. So um, the first one is, is we'll probably start off with the controversial one around drugs. How do you feel when you line up against someone who has had a positive drugs test? Does it get in your head at all? Do you just you're just going to do your thing, or uh, how do you feel about it? You just think they're a cheating scumbag, don't you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I wouldn't like say it gets in my head with regards to like how i'm going to race but to me i think it should be lifetime bans you know um if you've if you've cheated you're 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 out you know and like i I, what the the thing what winds me up the most and i was actually talking to Dougal about this the other day when we were out running is how people can get banned and then they come back into the sport and and sponsors are jumping it to to uh to sponsor them you know it's like why would you want to sponsor someone who's done that, who's cheated? They've got and they've and they've been busted for it, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think it should be well, you know, you get one chance, and uh, if you if you cheat, then you're out. Certainly, uh, a long time ban, you know, like uh, six years, say. Yeah. If if it wasn't lifetime, so you know they can get a chance to come back, or you know maybe a ban from professional sport but then they can come back after a set amount of time and they can compete as a you know as an amateur or something like that yeah uh, but they shouldn't be able to you know make money from it okay. um but yeah like i i, I just yeah i do, it just winds me up when when you see like spot companies jump into sponsor people who have been banned because you know it's like they're just a yeah, just dirty cheat, really, aren't they? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on to on to more uh, less controversial topics. Nutrition. What is your pre-race breakfast and your post-race meal? Um, pre-race. What well, I've had a few times actually recently is a pizza. Uh, <laughs> pre-race. Yeah. Uh, In the race, we're it. talking race morning here. Oh, race morning. Um, just a bowl of porridge or a bowl of cereal and maybe a slice of toast or something like that yeah. i'd keep it similar to what i'd have normally back home but i'd have like a bit more than what i would normally yeah. but similar kind of stuff because uh, i think to what i've had on if i was doing like a big training session and that obviously normally works well when i've done that so i think why change it too much maybe just have a little bit more you know to get the, the energy uh, and what do you eat and drink during uh, a typical ironman race oh god uh if depend on the temperature you know say it's like an, an averagely hot day mm. i'd probably have two decent sized bottles on my bike so one on the front one on the back to start off with um i'd probably go through i'd say five bottles in total so from mm-hmm. maybe three and a half liters four liters of, of fluid um carb, uh calories wise i think i'd go for around about 100 calories an hour mm-hmm. on the bike and then on the run, I actually eat a lot more than what I think a lot of people do, mm. um, which is like a, I find that really helps on the marathon. And I'd probably go for about six to eight gels on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'd drink water. I'd try and drink water on uh, on at the aid stations. I, I my uh, nutrition sponsor was telling me about like Coke and stuff, and said that if you have it, it can make you quite bloated mm-hmm. so try and avoid it and i did find that when i was drinking a lot of coke at the aid stations i did feel bloated so they said just try and get energy like the energy in through the gels and then hydrate through water and i when i do that i do feel a lot better but then you know so sometimes the last bit of the iron man you just want something a bit different don't you so i might have a coke but i'll try not to have it but you know for the first 
you know 15 16 miles or whatever mm. so that, that nutrition on the bike five or six bottles is that a, a sports formula sort of mix or is it just sort of a standard sports drink what you can pick up on the course um well i'd probably have like say so i make my drink bottles quite strong so i think i'd have 90 grams of carbs roughly in each one in each mm. one uh, on two of them so that'd be like 180 grams of carbs and i work out roughly i want to have i want to have on my bike 100 grams of carbs mm-hmm. because i might lose some but i might not eat all that but i know that I've definitely, I've definitely got enough, you know, if I did start feeling hungry. Hmm. Um, so, so I think that's 180. Then I might have one of them aero and smaller bottles, mm-hmm. which might say have like 60 grams of carbs. And then I'll take like a load of gels to, uh, or bars or whatever in like a, a bento box thing on the bike, which would add up to around about 100 grams of carbs an hour, depending on what, you know, I'd think like, well, I'm going to be out for around about four and a half hours so you know mm-hmm. 450 grams of carbs mm-hmm. and then depending on how much i've got on the bike that would uh influence how, whether or not i took on the course like energy drink or if i took water or whatever mm. um but you know um i kind of i would probably i know 90 percent of the time would get water from aid stations mm-hmm. but um i might get a bottle of energy drink but you know that might just be because that's the one what i got at the time because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you just you, sometimes you just want to make sure you get something don't you and not yeah. risk it and get nothing from an aid station yeah uh technology wise um what technology do you use in training and do you use it in racing so really talking power meters running to pace and things like that yeah i use uh power meters all the time for, for all, all my cycling sessions uh heart rate monitor as well on the bike um and then in training for the run i'd use a garmin and like look at run speed mm-hmm. i've actually tinkered with one of them running power meters like mm-hmm. i used it but i didn't really think too much of it mm-hmm. um there's a lot of reasons for it really like that's probably quite a uh, be quite a long explanation well fairly long to talk about it but yeah. um so when you when you're on the bike and race you're, you're, you're generally then, racing to power yeah i'd race to power but then i I do play it a bit by ear because obviously it can get tactical, can't it? So, mm. you know, if I know if I'm with someone on the bike and I know that they're a, a good runner or I say if I wasn't confident about running them, then I'd ha- I'd, I couldn't just ride at an even pace because, you know, I'll just end up towing them along and they'll run away from me on the run. Mm. So you might put big spikes of power in or whatever to try and drop them or what, you know, but I, and then if I was with someone who I knew I was uh, a bet or confident that I could outrun, and then, and I was towards the front of the race, and I wouldn't be so worried about you know riding at a high power or whatever. Or you know I might try and make it a bit hard for them anyway. But I just I'd play it tactically. But I if if you know if I'm chasing say a group, then I'll just try and sit at power what I think I can sustain, which is like you know basically the best I can ride from A to B. Hmm. Um, and then yeah, on the run, I try not to look at my Garmin. Uh, I just have it beep and come up with a lap split every mile. Hmm. But certainly at the start of the Ironman, for at least the first five or six miles. I'll just run to feel, mm-hmm. so what feels like comfortable, mm-hmm. and then I find mentally that saves a lot of energy as well. You know, for when you really need to to dig in later on the run, then when it gets to about, you know, sometimes if I see a, a slow mile split, then I'll give it will give myself a kick up the ass. You know, I'll mm-hmm. tell myself to kind of get a move on, but then the last ten miles, I'll I'll look at it, you know, a bit more like kind of um, really try and push, like dig in for that. Mm. Um, obviously, watching Kona last year, um, did that give you motivation? Seeing guys that are, were actually weaker swimmers, you know, in terms of Sanders and Keenlay and those guys that came out in a group together, and they were able to 
to bridge the gap and actually push on and, and obviously um, Sanders very nearly won the race. Does, does that sort of give you hope for Kona? Because in the past, you know, there'd always been this sort of theory that if you were a weaker swimmer, you're probably going to be out of the game pretty much uh, out of the swim. Uh, well, it really motivated me, first of all, watching it. Like, and, I, and I thought that would from not going there, but I kind of felt that's what I really needed going into this year. You know, that real, that drive to be there and to really want want to be there. So I kind of feel that you can get a bit stuck in a rut if you kind of end up going there every year and, you know, you do the same thing every year. Mm. Whereas missing out on it felt like, you know, everyone was invited to the party and you're at home watching. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's really given me that motivation. But I kind of always knew that it was that it was possible to ride from the chase pack to the group without expanding too much energy because when I went there the first year, I didn't ride at that good a power. I rode the whole thing by myself and I only rode two minutes slower than the fastest bike split. So I kind of knew that it would be possible to do that. And I think in the past, why you've needed to be maybe in that first pack is because generally the better athletes are solid swim, bike and runners. Yeah. Um, whereas there hasn't been like a decent amount of strength and depth in the chase pack where they can work together. But if you've got three or four people that are in the chase pack that are working together, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to catch the front group because the front group hasn't actually got an advantage then because they're they're riding in a pack. The chase group of strong cyclists is riding in a pack. So mm. really, the, the difference between the swim isn't actually that that uh, bad, I think. Mm. The problems in the past have been when you've got one strong cyclist who gets out in the chase pack, but they're isolated because they've got no other cyclists of their ability to work with. Mm. And that's where the damage is done. But if as long as you get out of the water with a few cyclists and you know you've, you're, you're well drilled beforehand, you know, and you, you know that you're going to end up working together... Um, I, I, I kind of thought that it would be possible and that it wouldn't be so crucial to be in that, that front pack. Mm, I think times. the main thing, yeah, I think the main thing is just getting off the bike, feeling, you know, good enough to run. That's the, that's the key. Right. I think that's more important than actually uh, making the, the, the front pack on the swim, you know, mm. being able to get off the bike, it round, roundabouts in, in contention, but feeling good because mm. a lot of people will go up way too hard on the bike at the start and they'll blow up, you know, some people will like get off the bike and have got nothing in the tank, but they're up there. But that's the hard bit is like, you know, but then I suppose that's when you, you're only going to get the top people in the world that are going to come to the fore, aren't they, at the start of the run with mm. with some energy in the tank to do well. Mm. Cool. Last three questions i got for you. Uh, with regards to your legs, do you wax or shave? Shave. <sighs> Mate, it would take me all day if I waxed. <laughs> and I think, I'm not sure if we've asked you this one before. Do you use any facial moisturiser? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, Absolutely. Bevan should be conducting this bloody interview. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, definitely, mate. Last one I'm, is uh, if you were to run, you know, specifically prepare for a marathon for, say, say you gave yourself you know, six months to prepare for a marathon, where you're maybe still doing a bit of tri training, but mainly just going for marathon prep, uh, what do you reckon you'd bang out a fresh marathon in? So this is just training for a marathon, do you say? Yes, yeah. Um, I'd like to give 220 a crack. Yeah. If I was training specifically for it, I don't think I'd be able to go much quicker than that because I'm so much heavier than what a marathon runner would be. But mm. that would be that would be what I'd aim for, definitely. Um, if I was training just just for for a marathon. Um, but one thing I want to go back and say about it is, you know that question what you had about the dopers. Yes. Um, you add some more. What, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> the the one thing what I what I've been thinking about and what really winds me up is the abuse of the two system. That. Mm to me is worse than the actual people that are getting caught and coming back. It's the people that are cheating 
but finding loopholes around it, mm. you know, what I think they should do. And I know people say, yeah, but like, you know, he's had asthma induced and it, uh, you know, like with Chris Froome, he's had asthma induced, um, or exercise induced uh, asthma, mm. you know, like let him compete and all this. Or what I would say is, all right, then if you've got a two, then you can't compete as a professional athlete, you know, <laughs> because what you're saying is that it's there for your health. But if you're needing this medicine, which shouldn't be allowed, you know, unless you've got a debilitating illness or something like that, then what we should do is say, yeah, you can compete, but you can't compete as a professional because really they shouldn't be. Com- you, you've got to argue, should they be competing if they're that ill that they need to take this med- medicine in the first place? If you, you know, that's that's the answer, isn't it? That's the question, isn't it? You know, yeah. like if, you, if you're that bad, you know, and your health is that at risk, maybe it's best that you don't do it because, and you know, people can say all this stuff about, yeah, but I, I was born with this, you know, and I was born with that. But surely that's the, that's, that, that's sport, you know, like I'm, I might not be fle- as flexible as someone else and that might impact me in the swim, but I can't, you know, I can't do anything about that. That's life, isn't it? You know, yeah. and not everyone can be a world champion, but you know. Some people will try and cheat and find ways of earning. And I think the abuse of the two system is just getting to the point now where that is that is what we're seeing as the new form of, of doping, really, in a lot of cases. Mm. A lot of people aren't taking, like, you know, your EPO and stuff like that because they it's maybe too risky, whereas they can, like, get a doctor to sign them off with some medication and uh, they can get a two for it. And my, my girlfriend's a GP, mm-hmm. and I tell her some of the stuff, what some of these, like... Uh, athletes or cyclists have been getting twos for and she says that's ridiculous i'd never give them that for asthma so <laughs> half the stuff that they've been getting you know she's never seen anyone with asthma that needs stuff like that and uh yeah she could she can't believe it yeah well, it's, it's just... a murky world out there joe it's a murky world um <laughs> if, if if anybody wants to, <laughs> we love it you got you got to write some posts on this and get people fired up on social media <laughs> <laughs> with that if people want to follow you you know um you seem to be pretty active on social media so what are, what are your best ways for people to follow you uh probably instagram uh not another average joe uh twitter no average joe and uh, facebook just joe skipper they're probably my three three main ones why why post on so it, any of them would be would be a, probably a good way and, and so after new zealand in march you're back back to the uh the tail end of the uk winter uh, I've got 12 days of sightseeing, so I've got. I want to do uh, a, a couple. I want to do a bungee jump out here while I'm here, nice. and a skydive. You yeah. know that Nevis high wire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to do that, so I need some. Uh, I need to get. get need some prize money for that. Well, <laughs> God, I, I, don't, I don't think God if I had the prize money, I still don't know if I'd be able to jump, jump chuck myself off that Fantastic. from the pictures. Fantastic. Uh, um, and the one other thing I was just going to ask you, I know you're doing a lot of Zwifting, so d- were you getting on there and actually doing races with other people oh, if, if people want to yeah, follow you race- on Zwift? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The races have been absolutely fantastic. That's been an absolute revelation for my training, to be honest, yeah. um, because the standard is so high. Um, like, I've, I've raced against other professional triathletes on there, like Ronnie Shieldnet. Um, he's, he's been on there a couple of times and I've been racing. I know Lionel Sanders does a couple, but I haven't I haven't bumped uh, bumped into him on there. And then there's a couple of Americans, mm. um, Matt Chabot, um, and then there's also some really good cyclists on there mm. that do it. But the st- it's brilliant if you ever if you're looking for a fre- if you've got a fre- tough threshold workout to do, and you want some extra motivation, to sign up for a Zwift race, give it a crack, and the time will fly by, and you'll probably do a, a, get a really good session out. But you know, with the numbers, what you hit, yeah. it's, it's massively helped me. 
Awesome. Hope they're looking after you. Uh, you have a good time down in uh, Monica. Bevan will be down there calling in uh, the athletes and hopefully he calls you across the line uh, up onto the podium somewhere, which would be fantastic. And uh, hopefully we'll either see you in Rote or in Kona in October. Yeah, have you have you seen Gomez is racing it as well? We have indeed. <laughs> You've got a good for the good for the race, isn't it? It's going to be <laughs> fantastic. So he might have a little lead on you the swim, but uh, I think you can take him on the bike and anything can happen on the run. What are you on about? I'm planning on being ahead of him after this swim. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> good for you. No, yeah, I yeah, uh, It'll be good to get a benchmark against him on the swim anyway and everything. But um, yeah, it's great for the race. I think it's a really strong field out here from what I've seen. Like Jesse Thomas is racing. Obviously, Gomez, uh, Dougal, yeah. Braden Curry. It's going to be it's going to be a good race, and to get on the podium, it's going to, you're going to have to have to have to have a good one. Exactly. Awesome, mate. We'll see you in Kona in October. Yeah, Bevan, uh, if he's up for it, come out for a beer after the race. He'll be on the cokes. On the cokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a New Zealander. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't press stop before you said that. <laughs> Awesome, thanks right. for your time, thanks. Joe. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Jombo, your thoughts? Oh, Joe's a good man. Uh, he, he should go fast. And, and he's doing Ironman New Zealand as well. He's doing Ironman New Zealand as have well. We see, because have we seen the field? Uh, I've seen it's not very thorough at the moment. Okay. So there's not many names on the list. One thing I would say, I did ask him that question around nutrition, and I think he initially said, answered in calories, not grams of carbohydrates. So I think he was meaning, you know, around about sort of 90 to 100 grams of carbohydrate, not 100 calories per hour. But yep. uh, no, he should kick some ass. Yeah, he's. Um, one thing about Joe, his ability to hurt is very good. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when we, we saw him in Rote. I interviewed him. I post. I don't think I even got an interview out of him. He was, he was just blottoed. Yeah. You know, he just—he's one of those athletes who can go to that hurt box and stay there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pretty tough thing to be able to do when you kind of really are kind of just physically broken and gone, and to still push through. He just has that that kind of inner focus. It's just going to be an exciting time to see if he can uh, rumble with those big riders. Uh, that kicked ass this year in Kona, you know, when they came through in that train with uh, Sanders, Keenlay, um, Cam Worth, uh, and, you know, on paper, he should be able to ride with those guys. He can, and he's pretty close to them on the swim, so if he can keep that swim up and come out with them, then he stands a chance of, again, if they manage to do that, riding through the field and riding off the front. If he can handle a good run, you know, he, he's a great marathon runner. Yeah. Uh, if he can handle the heat, you know, um, he could be in contention. Well, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is that if you can get in a pack like that, sure you're pushing the big watts, but you are getting a pack work as well. Mm. So you are saving something for the run. It's not like the solo mission of the like a sand. I mean, like a bloody Norman Stadler. So yeah, good stuff. John sponsor. It's time to save our American listeners some dollars on life insurance. So learn more and get a free quote on your life insurance. We've got a new sponsor on board. So check out free quote on healthiq.com slash imtalk. Or if you call them up, mention imtalk when you talk to the Health IQ agent. And basically, we're just trying to save you guys some money because you get rewarded for being fit and you can get lower premiums on your health insurance. Well, it's really interesting actually, John, because 
Actually, I'm getting serious when I say John. Uh, it's getting, <laughs> it's, the fingers come out yeah, as well. The fingers, yeah. Because I listened to this podcast called the Dave Ramsey Show. Dave Ramsey is an American financial advisor. And um, he, to me, he gives best financial advice for everyday people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm really good with money. I've always been really good with money. Um, I do a budget each week. I've, you know, I've got all these good systems. And I've been doing it for 20 years now. And a part of that is that I've got, a, I'm in a good position in life. Well, Joe and I are in a good position in life because we've had, Good responsible kind of financial habits, and I was talking to my mate who's a mortgage broker, and I was really interesting talking to him about um, just finances in general. And, and I was just saying how you know I've always tried to be financially responsible, and he said, "Oh, that's such a good way of putting it," because he tries to teach mortgage brokers are trying to get people into their houses, and so many people are kind of hopeless of money, mm-hmm. and this concept of financial responsibility. And Dave Ramsey, the the guy who who's the American kind of content creator around finances, and it's a radio show where people ring in and mm. often people ring in and they've lost partners mm. and you'll hear, you know, and they would have had good life insurance. Mm. And, he, and he was just like, I'm so proud your partner was responsible enough to have this in your life. Mm. Because it really is, it's one of those things that you don't need until you need it. Mm-hmm. But if you lost a loved one and they hadn't been responsible with this, this side of things, mm. what are you leaving behind? Mm. Whereas if you can really set up, really be really responsible, and it's getting serious. Well, but it's actually really important. Like I I am really serious about. Like if you've got kids and you've got a family, and you don't have life insurance, Mm. that's your base level insurance you kind of need. And so you know, like for me, it's just like being responsible with your finances. Life insurance is a part of that game. Now, sure, if you're in your sixties and you've made your money, different story. But you know, for certain ages in your life, it's really important. And what's cool about Health IQ is if you're listening to the show, you love sport and exercise. Mm-hmm. So it's totally for you. It's totally, it's, you know, they are basically saying, we think you're going to live longer. So we're going to take, the, we're going to give you some of the benefit we're going to get from you, the healthier lifestyle by giving you a cheaper premium. So go to the website, healthiq.com slash talk and put in your details, check out what they can offer. I'm, I'm, it's probably going to be cheaper than what you're getting right now. It's likely to be. They have uh, 50%, 56% of Health IQ customers say between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. Yeah, and, and, and just financially, it's to me, it's just one of those responsible things you could do because it's one of those things you never want to have to use and it's kind of sucks you've got to throw money in it. Mm. But for example, I've got a mate, his, his sister, she's married to a guy who lost his wife when mm. when she was early 30s to cancer really sad mm. three kids great life insurance mm. set them up meaning he didn't have to work for like 10 years so he could look after the kids like mm. that kind of stuff is so important so health IQ guys I know I'm quite I'm really quite passionate about this stuff so as um, you can tell and the holy hammer Murray Lapworth did try to get on this and uh, get amongst it himself and we did have to break it to him but it is unfortunately only for American listeners and we were quite clear about that holy hammer so don't, <laughs> don't point the finger at us uh, so health IQ slash I am talk check it out just have a look if you're in America just have a look John Coaches Corner. We got a great email through from someone, and it was it was a good question because it's amazing we've never covered this before. Fiona Lawrence. So she sent through just saying, um, "Idea for your show. I thought John could do a small piece on dropping your race nutrition. Do you stop or do you keep going? Keep going or do you? Wait a second. Do you stop or do you keep going? Uh, Lose your drinks or food accidentally by going over bump." How much time do you really lose when you stop? I did a bumpy course on the weekend and there were loads of lost bottles, etc. Yeah, so it's that kind of thing of if you lose nutrition, what should you do? And, and, and to be honest, it happens a lot. Oh, I'm picking that, I'm just going to pluck a number out of, out of the air, but I reckon 75% of people, if they drop their nutrition, um, 
if it was liquid nutrition or a bottle, they wouldn't go back and get it. I think the other thing as well is, before you get into what you're going to share here, is do your best to not lose your nutrition. So, mm-hmm. for example, when I used to race, I used to have three water bottles. Mm-hmm. I'd have one that sits in the tray of the bike, mm-hmm. and then I'd have the ones that would sit behind the saddles. Now, the ones behind the saddles could fall out. You're going to yeah. steal some of my thunder here. Well, yeah, but so... But I used to have all my gels in a bottle. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I'm not going to put the gels in the bottle at the back. Well, that's not that obvious. Well, okay. Well, that's so, one of the points. Okay, so up. yeah. So like when you're setting up your your kind of your, your plan for how everything's going to work on the day, be a little bit aware of where would I put the most important parts of my nutrition? Mm-hmm. Because losing your gel bottle, it's got all your gels for the day on the yeah, bike. It's a, that's a big mistake. Mm. Whereas losing a water bottle, okay, well, you know, there might be an aid station 10 minutes up the road. So that's mm. a different story. So, okay, John, let's go. So, yeah, this is really what it came to me, like racing strategically and actually think, and, and we had a final running session last night for people who are doing Challenge Wanaka. Oh, I, I went over this with them saying, be strategic, and if you need to stop for something and give up one, two, three minutes, whatever, that is so much Nothing better yeah. compared to losing half an hour later in the race. Yeah, if you're running on nutrition in the run, you've got 20 miles to go, 20k to go. But it's very, very hard to think that way when you're actually in the heat of the moment. And this is why race planning is so important, and it's not negative to be planning for these things. So part of your plan should be, if I drop my nutrition, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Now, if your nutrition falls out and your water bottle smashes on the ground, you're kind of screwed, but you also need to plan for that. And and part of that, actually, I'll, I'll work through my, my rather than okay. rambling, I'll work through. So Stop rambling, John. If you're dropping your nutrition, um, here's a few tips. Firstly, as Bevan said, if you're going to have your, nu- your key nutrition behind your seat uh, on your bike, I don't care what sort of grip people say and they've got, I've heard people say, oh, I've got this best sort of grip there. It's never going to come out and the next thing you get an email next week. Yeah, my drink bottle came out. So the, the main thing to do is to get some little um, some little rubber tubing and you basically loop it around your bottle cage and put it over the top and that will stop it coming out um, almost there's no 100% guarantee, but it's almost uh, a guarantee. So as Bevan said, if you got, you're going to have one or two key drink bottles, have them on your frame. And if you have got to have something behind you in the uh, behind your seat, put some tubing around it, tie in a little knot, and then you can easily just have that over the little nib top part of the the bottle and just take it on and off as as is required. Um, <clears throat> if you do drop your nutrition out, then this was the main sort of question in from Fiona is. I'd stop and pick it up and I genuinely would do that if your bottle didn't smash open and, and I would do that myself because I'm one of those people that has all pr- your gels you know, yeah, yeah. 80% of nutrition in, in one bottle so that's yeah. the main answer to the question if you stop stop what if you haven't noticed it. Like, what if you turn around and, oh shit it's gone well in that case then you've got to start doing your problem solving so you know you need to have going into your race not oh, I'm just going to have uh, you know my 10 serves of that uh, mix in there uh, you need to know that and you need to know the carbohydrate content of that. Yep. So you might be saying, okay, I'm pitching in this race for 50 grams of carbohydrate per hour or 75 or yep. 100 or whatever it is. And if Carbon you do lose your nutrition, then you've got to start thinking, how am I going to make that up? And so you need to have a bit of a clue what's going to be available on the course. So you can kind of ballpark it. You know, if there's gels available on the course, they're going to have around about 25 grams of carbohydrate in them. And if you're going to have a bottle of sports drink, the concentration of those varies quite a bit. But again, it's going to be, you know, ballpark sort of 20 grams of carbohydrate. So if I drop my nutrition, I'm going to be thinking, okay, I need to be having roughly two gels per hour, 
bit of sports drink and then maybe nibbling on something else as you go through. So you need to have a plan how much nutrition you're going to take in and a backup plan if the crap hits the fan. And an understanding of kind of the numbers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but you do have to be careful on the sports drink side of things of knowing how much is in a bottle. But for a, for a gel, ballpark, 25 grams um, per hour. But you do have to be a bit careful if they're just serving up caffeinated gels. If you're just exclusively going on caffeinated gels, you might have a few little issues out there as well. But that's, that's, that's sort of one side of this question about, you know, that's going to lose a bit of time if I stop and pick up my nutrition. But then that sort of flowed on to me thinking about other things, you know, in terms of if you're bonking on the bike, a lot of people are just going to persevere going, oh, crap, I'm bonking, you know, race mm. is over. But again, this is when you should actually decide, try to recognize it and go, okay, I'm going to give up a bit of time here. I'm bonking. Uh, I clearly haven't had enough nutrition. I'm going to stop at the next aid station and get everything that I need and mm. then carry on. And so for the next half hour, I might lose five minutes, six minutes by going, you know, if we use Bevan and I example, we're going to be riding along at ballpark 36 kilometres an hour. We Not nowadays. Go, <laughs> we might go, okay, next half hour, I'm riding at 30 k's an hour and I'm just getting to that aid station yep. and I'm going to refuel. And again, you might lose four or five minutes, but in the big scheme of things, you're going to save you from half an hour from, from later on. Um, other, other, other few things that I was thinking of where you could give up a bit of time to gain later on is if you're riding along and you're trying to ride to specific um, power and your heart rate's a bit high and you're just getting a bit frazzled, what I'd suggest in those circumstances if you're on a hilly sort of course is to freewheel some of the downhills um, even if they're not that steep and really just go into complete relaxation and really work on trying to get your heart rate down. Often what you might find, if you can do that, if you can come down from that sort of peak, if your heart rate's been sitting quite high for a while, if you can just get it down and if it maybe cool off a little bit with some water, you'll often find that it does stay down for a bit longer so you might be able to resurrect things. Again, you might lose 30, 40 seconds on some downhills, but gaining later on. Uh, other thing I thought of was sore feet on the bike. A lot of people complain about that and they just sort of persevere. Mentally it starts to beat you up and it's just occupying your mind the whole time. Just take your shoes out of your pedals and ride with your feet on top of your pedals for a while. Again, lose a bit of time, but it'll just take the pressure off uh, different parts of your feet. And again, then you can hopefully have a bit more of a positive outlook for the rest of the race. And then the other couple of things were preemptive moves, um, giving up time on the course. And that would be walking aid stations early in the run. So again, last night for the guys that were tapering, so it's this was a Monday night training for a Saturday race, they were either doing the half or the full. I basically went through some walking practice with them and had them walking up a hill saying, right, in the race, this is how you want to be approaching an aid station. They actually practiced their speed walking, pretending it was an aid station, uh, and practiced their actually actual walking up a hill. So preemptive moves early in the run of, of doing your run walk is better than a lot of them were thinking, I'll run, and then when I need a walk later on the run, I'll just start walking then. And it's a complete inverse of that. Mm -hmm. You want to be walking early, giving up a bit of time so you don't blow up later on. And the final one I had as well, where again you give up a bit of time on the bike, is trying to stay cool, even if it's not that hot a day, but taking an extra 15 seconds or so through each aid station uh, on the bike by getting water and actually cooling off and staying cool for as long as possible until things start to heat up is another way. You lose a bit of time, but uh, you'll get the payback later on. Well, one other aspect I want to add to it is the mind side of it. So... John's given really good practical advice here, but I think some other things we need to really look at is to say, you just got to relax. 
just got to deal with the situation because what a lot of people will do in that moment is they kind of almost go to panic mode yeah. or, or just high stress mode or what's the point what's the, I've you know, ruined my race it's kind of beat self-defeatist mode and in this moment it's like well what's happened happened I need to let it go mm-hmm. and I need to just deal with the situation because what we don't want you to do we still want to give yourself the best chance of the best race and you know that's, that's an affirmation I use a lot in the race what's the, what's the wisest choice I can make right now to give myself the best chance of the best race and you know in that moment when something which quite is really dramatic we, we don't want to over kind of you know amplify that we want to make sure that we're doing it in a way where we can deal with the problem make some of the choices that John's made and, and in a way, like I remember uh, this years ago when I did one of them, I mean, my, my, um, yeah, my pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I dealt with it really well. Mm. And I was just really, it became a real pride point for me. Instead mm. of kind of stressing out, thinking it ruined my race, mm. dealt with it, moved on, did my race. And that's what you want to think about. So just if you catch that happening, don't let that own you. Just think to yourself, okay, it's happened. Mentally, how do I work through this? Practically, how do I work through this? And then what's the best use of my energy? in my mind as I work through the race. Having a plan, guys. It's all about having a plan, having a backup plan. Because shit's going to happen. And then you can just, you're still going to go through all those emotions that Bevan mentioned, going, bloody hell, shit, crap, I've lost my nutrition. But then you just go, okay, what's my plan if that happens? Boom, boom, Mm. boom, start working through it. Always works out. Mm. Always works. Okay, John, uh, let's do Winger Winger of the Week. week. Okay, what number are you pulling off? We are doing number two this week. We're doing number twos. Doing number two. is the longest single activity. Oh. So that's a number two. So the longest activity we had this week was, unsurprisingly, a bike ride. Martin Hill from Australia went seven hours and 57 minutes and 26 seconds. That's pretty impressive. Very impressive. So you're going to tell us all about... What's your longest bike ride? Longest bike ride is 300 kilometres. How long did it take you? It took quite a while. So it was when I rode from, I think I've done it twice. I have done it twice. So I've ridden Christchurch to Murchison. I think that might have been just over 300, uh, which that's, that's got some decent old climbing in it. And we, I think it was like 11 hours. We're putting the weekend away to Tikapo with a friends a few weeks. And Joe goes, why don't you ride with Jeff there? Mm-hmm. We've done Tikapo before. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, you had a long day on the second day. Yeah, because my bike broke down. Um, I left you out there to dry. <laughs> no, because you did bring someone brought me a tube, didn't they? Belinda's mum. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Okay. So Martin Hill. Martin Hill. If you look at his all time, he's got some great photos. He's using one of those pad things, John. He's using those pads to get his muscles strong. Um, he's done total cycling. He's nearly up to fifty thousand k's. Wow, that's pretty impressive. But he, uh, his, his big effort here was 7 hours 57. He did 3,440 metres of elevation and a distance of 204 kilometres. Nice effort. He's got the old, got the young daughter with the, the helmet. He's just sort of, just uh, did that sort of all north of Sydney. Sydney, Australia. Sydney, Australia. And on the girls' side of things, Rachel Cunningham took it out. And the four, it was pretty close in the girls, 428, she took it out. Very nice. And who, who are our top three on the guys? I just closed the page, so I'm just going to oh, re-up. Let me go back again. to We've got Martin Hill, Paul Tomey, and Paul Tomey for third. Ooh. He had two big rides. Nice. So combined time, he did pretty well as well. We got an email through from last week. I was mentioning, who was it? Carol. Carol Cooper from Carol, Nelson. Carol Cooper. She made me laugh. The only time I've been out on a bike and run for the past two months, and it's on Strava, and I get winner of the week. <laughs> yes, only just started using Strava. I, I had foot surgery in December. And a short run was my first attempt at a run. Won't be doing that again for a few weeks. 68Ks must have been clocked, zooming down the, the Mootery Saddle Home. There we go. Very nice very nice ride up there. If you do a loop, if you're up in the Nelson area, go around the upper Mootery Highway. It's um, some nice riding. Okay, John, 
questions and answers. So if you want to be in a Strava group, just look up I Am Talk. It's a Strava group and I Am Talk. Pete Giffins has just got, he loves my my Super Bowl commentary. I just want to share this. I want to say I appreciate Bevan's in-depth Super Bowl coverage. I live in Philadelphia, home of the winning Eagles team, and you can't even imagine the excitement and euphoria here. It is the Eagles' first championship since 1960, and the fans were ready. We have a very loyal and emotional football crowd here. However, I do agree that the NFL game is very slow. It's 11 minutes of action in <laughs> over four hours. So there we go. So that's good. Uh, and then Aaron Hurwitz. Oh, I don't hear one other thing. On your discussion of the week, Suzanne... Vale. Van Zale. Van, Van, Van Zale, yeah. Just for, if you're FYI, she is a former age grouper of the week. There we go. Uh, Aaron Hurwitz, he's just going, thank you for the shout out and winger of the week. My 11 year old stepson, Matt. It's, it's, we'll call him Matt because he said Matt for short. I think it's Matt Tanya. Yeah. Tanya. Matt started writing recently and he was super chuffed for the mention. His first love is judo. Matt, you'd smash us. Yes. How do you reckon you got judo? Not very well. He'd throw us on the mat and say, in your face. Uh, he's now a green belt and competing nationally in Israel. Judo is a huge sport in Israel. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me, actually, because it's Olympics and stuff. Because um, there's a big uproar, because they were thinking about taking it out of the Olympics. And I think there's a bit of an uproar. Uh, but wanted to, a road bike. so And we started riding together when his schedule permits. So far... So good. We've done 34K and ridden 650 metres of elevation together last week. Keep it up, Matt. Love your work, mate. And then lastly, just got another one here from Michael Taylor from Barramoral Triathlon Club. Quick shout out for the above. I drove, oh, so for what race was it? Was it the, um, which was it? The, the one we talked about in Australia. Hell of the, be the hell of the west yeah maybe it was the, that one uh, I drove it from Sydney nine hours it was worth every second in the car after 2017 being a year of depositing my dollars into the Ironman Wonder Bank account it was refreshing to have a few dollars to a locally managed tri-club event the race has everything you want from a big race quality field ITU points professional management on-course photographers well-stocked age stations massage recover area quality merchandise combined with everything you want from a small race low-cost entry 180 bucks, that's pretty great. Fear racing, not with a whiff of drafting. Friendly locals, a town that really embraces the event and stress-free reg registration, racking, etc. So this is a big shout-out for that race. Pretty sure that was Hell of the West because that was on the 4th of February. And he's just saying, highly recommend it. So if you're in Australia or if you're anywhere in the world, check it out. Gondawindi. It's nine hours from Sydney. They've got a picture here of uh, Tim, Tim Reid there spanking it out. It is good. You've got to support 180 bucks for a full. It's hmm. pretty. It's a half. Oh, even then, that's pretty great. Hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. so good on you guys. Good on your team at the Hell of the West. And it's just good to see your people are loving the race. John, patrons. First up, uh, Matthew, bring back the biff, Jones. <laughs> Sam Hot Rod Hicks. And Andrew, the King of Hearts, Owen. Now, we've got an email this week from, say that first name, John. Ignacio Reed. Ignacio, that's a great name. From Spain, Ignacio, from Madrid, Bevan and John, Ignacio. Yeah. We lost, we lucked out, didn't we? But he is a genius, John, because he's got through new patron birthday present. Hi, Bevan and John, or John and Bevan. I've just signed up as a new patron, but it's really for a birthday present for my Kiwi partner, Barbie. Uh, Barbie, how do you say the last name? Brizolis, I'll go with. Okay, who is a super fan of the show. She does not miss one episode of Iron Talk, so I thought I would sign her up as a patron to the show as a surprise birthday present. This guy is not just a genius name, he's a genius 
all round. Her birthday is next Tuesday, the 13th of February. It's today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Barbie. Happy birthday. Thanks for joining in, John. Far out. On your own. Far Happy birthday, Barbie. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, and it would be really cool if you could call out her name as a patron during the show. I know she will download it and listen to it first thing in the morning as she does every week. We live in Spain, 12 hours behind New Zealand, and will be a great surprise to her. Although her Iron days are behind her, she completed four Ironman, including, including Lanzarote and France. She still kicks ass um, on the bike and in the pool. No more run for her. That's, that tends to be the way. It does. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the Aquabike option is coming yep, up. There we go. Uh, thanks so much. Keep up the good work. I'm also a fan, and I hope that you make Barbie's birthday a little more special this year. How do you say your name? Uh, Ignacio. Ignacio. P.S. Bevan. As Bevan. Um, she does not watch any movie. Oh, she's like me. She's a movie snob. Yeah. Anything. So what, what Under 6.5 on IMD. I'm going to be honest here. John I7. Yep. What does IMDB stand for? International Movie Database. Oh, right. John Sharpen up. Okay. IMDB was one of the first websites on the internet. Really? Yeah. And then it got bought, I think, by Yahoo. Yeah. Um, so, Barbie. Happy birthday, first of all, and great rendition of happy birthday from John and I. Yeah. Um, we just want to say, so you get a nickname. We did, and he, he sent through some follow-up uh, points and trying to help us uh, with a nickname. What were the, I, I don't have the email. What, what's uh, in the points? She's not that tall. She's just ordered a Canon a Canyon bike, three a trip a three XS. So wow, small. She that's uh, not very big. Coloured aquamarine, quite distinctive. She loves cycling. Uh, here's a pic of her kicking butt in the 2014 Holt Root Alps. Nice. Uh, and if you guys watched um, Icarus, yeah. that was the oh, was bike the... race that the guy in Icarus was doing. Oh, and he did well on drugs. It's, yeah, it's full on. She's a good swimmer too. Uh, we take part in 6K open water sea swim in the south of Spain every year. 6K open water, that's a long way. She's tough and nails and super positive all the time. Loves a good rom-com and would not watch a movie with an IMD below 6.5. Do you know what's really interesting? God, it sounds like your partner loves you, Barbie. He's a good man. He sounds like a lot of love in this relationship. Yeah. Jeepers, creepers. Sitting this bar high for the rest of us. Bevan, so I was thinking, you know, she's obviously pretty small. Yeah. And she's obviously got a, you know, she's better get up and go up the yep. hills. Yeah. So you think sort of pocket rocket. Yeah, I did think pocket rocket, but, but obvious. But obvious. What about Dinky Dynamo? Nice. <laughs> dinky Dynamo. Dinky, d dinky as in small. Yes. Dynamo as in. There you go. <laughs> You can even sound effects if you want. There you go. So Barbie, the Dinky Dynamo Rizoles. And if I got your surname wrong, I do apologize. You're a Kiwi. You meant to have like Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, Anasio's got Reed, which is a kind of more of a Kiwi name. So there you go. Great work. If you want to become a patron of the show, if you want to give your partner patronage, or if you want your partner to do it for you, drop some hints, get them to listen to this segment, and you're supporting what we do, go to www. I am talked up me, and it's all very clear on the website. John, patrons. Oh, sorry, sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And Health IQ. And go to IM be responsible Talk. with your money. Go to, I, uh, go to healthiq.com slash imtalk just to get yourself a free quote and see what it's all about. Now, a few weeks ago, someone um, sent me through asking me for some book recommendations. And I'm kind of I'm going to apply. I'm gonna, maybe I'll do a Bevan segment do on that. books because yep. I do listen to a lot of books. But I do have a book I highly, highly, highly recommend. It's called Lost Connections. So a few years ago, have I talked about this? No. <laughs> you may have done. No, no, may, may, <laughs> I just I may have talked about it last week. But So a few years ago, a book came out called Chasing the Scream. 
and it's a book on why is why are drugs treated as a criminal problem in society and not a health problem. Mm-hmm. Brilliant book and highly influential um, by a guy called Johan Harry. And um, brilliant book. Goes right back to like the 20s. Because in the 20s, drug problems was like you go to the doctor. If someone's a druggie, you send them to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it got influenced to become a criminal problem. And it's kind of proven that it. it's really failed as a criminal problem. And so, and it, it shows you the history of how it got influenced. It's a brilliant book. Well, recently he's brought out a book called Lost Connections. And it's on depression. Mm-hmm. And... I've just finished it myself and I'm actually interviewing him on my podcast in a couple of weeks from now. So when I, I may even, I'll let you guys know when I've got it, but it's it, one in four people will get depression, John. Oh, it's, it's getting a lot of attention now, rightly so, but yeah. When you think, you go to the mall and think one in four people here are going through depression. Mm. Like it's, it's a big problem in society and, and Johan has done brilliant work on this book because he's kind of shown that the way we're treating it kind of not really that great um and there's better ways and um i i, I read a lot of books so I, I listen and read and you know i consume a lot of books i love reading and i love consuming great content and this is one of those books where it's like i'm going to champion this book because it's a really important book so lost connections actually i'll put a link to it in the show notes because i highly recommend it and i am actually interviewing johan on the bevan james i'll show in a few weeks from now so i will let you know about it but if you suffer depression get this book but even if you don't it's one of those books that you know we probably all know someone who suffers it mm. and um you know this book is just it's it's helping going in the right direction so lost connections check it out john if you want to email us i am talk to i am talk podcast at gmail.com your goss um hopefully heading down to wanaka looking forward to that it's gonna be good times uh will be great it's a great race it's a great day yeah I have seen Gomez race before, I think, in, Aucl- in Auckland, and just smoked it. I can't remember if he won, but he just... What do you reckon you'd run the half in there? Because I did 119. I've got the course record, different John. Co- different course, different course. Jeez, um, I don't know. If it, Yeah, if you ran 119, if, we'll put a big if there. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's the funny thing is? I've got the course record in the book, but I'm pretty sure Braden Curry went faster than me, but yeah. my name's still in the book. <laughs> so, hey. Um, obviously, it is a different course, slightly different, but he's he's going to go. If you ran, if if you ran, if if, if the if you were one running one nineteen, you got to think he's going to run one twelve or something, wouldn't you? Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't think he'll run that fast because I do think the course changed a little bit. I think it was I, a little bit short when I did it. Yeah, and they made they've kind of extended I that think a little it was bit. Pretty short. legit when I did it last year. What did you do it in? Not very fast. Yeah, but I think you wish you'd done my one nineteen, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> So I reckon this week he will go a one sixteen. It's going to be so cool. Mm, so if you see us in Monaco, if you if you see us, you'll see John around with Belinda. I'll be working because that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. Hard working man that I am. But John's going to be doing some interviews. So if you see us, maybe we'll interview. Come up, say hello. It'd be nice. It's always nice to meet you guys out in the in the real world. Um, come along to the party at night. I, I always make it a party atmosphere. If I am down there, I will have some I am talk swim caps down there as oh, well. So always remember, good with the swim caps. Remember, if you're a sub nine, you get a Kona Killer gold cap. Who so wants gold? You really want silver. If, uh, that's a sub ten. If you're a girl, as well, a girl, sub ten or eleven is the elite animal silver cap. Sub twelve, Polani Predator, and so on. So I'll make sure I take some swim caps down. Make sure you remind me to do that. So I actually do. It's my job to remind you. Okay. Yeah. Well, what other goss you got? Other goss, what have I got? My son is just going triathlon nutty, and it's almost getting a little bit too much. Oh, really? That's that is shocking to hear from you. 
full on. All he wants to do is train. So the weekend involved going and getting some toe clips for him because he's... Uh, oh, so he's, he's going to the next level. He's, he's when does he get a road level. bike? He's got a, using a road bike. Oh, moment, okay. But he's got the school duathlon next week. Uh, he had the swimming sports last week. How did he go in the swimming sports? He won the backstroke, second in the freestyle, third in the breaststroke. Nice. It was he happy with that? He was pretty stoked with that. So that's good. And <laughs> duathlon next week. And it's all. And he, did, he did a triathlon on Friday night. Went out and did the Lake Crichton series, which is out in the lake in North Canterbury. And absolutely loved it and got a spot prize. So it's like he's hooked now. Just hook, line and sinker. Now he, he might be our next Olympic hope. Oh. Sudden so, young. How old is Tommy now? He's 10, 10. How many kids are passionate about triathlon at 10? There's a few. Yeah, there's a few. He is. He just wants to do everything. Oh, that's so it's good times, but you know. How do you life? manage him? Uh, not Because not, I know that your, your job's not to make him an Olympic athlete. Hmm. But like in this moment, he's got a passion. Trying to focus a bit more on skill skills and the processes and not necessarily worrying about the results. That was why I was quite good watching the Olympics the other day because then you had a little story out of that one with Hamish Carter, you know, he was going into Sydney Olympics in 2000. He was, all he was thinking about was gold medal. He tells a good story about it and then completely different contrast, 2004, not really results orientated, was more just the processes, have fun, go out there, kick some butt, but not really thinking about the gold medal. Still would have been in the back of his mind but uh, he wasn't a favourite and just went out there and just went with it and uh, kicked some ass. So I think that's a, that was a really good example. So trying to become, yeah, he's got a spreadsheet now with his times on him. Uh, and so it's all about trying to get those times better rather than necessarily winning. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so that's about it. Bevan, life happens around the Newsome household is work, <laughs> bit of training, and then the rest of the time is doing stuff. With yeah, how's Belinda feeling about Tommy just wanting to do drive all the time? <laughs> It's getting a little. Uh, it gets him out of the house. It's better than being on the computer. <laughs> That's so true. That is very true. Very true. Um, you never goes. No. Even what's happening. My wife mm-hmm. is a witch doctor. Mm-hmm. She yeah. seriously is, John. Yeah. If you'd saw me yesterday, I saw her in Pack and Save the other day, and I thought saw those ingredients she was getting. I thought they were a little she bit was dodgy. Stirring up something in the pot in the in the cauldron. Mm-hmm. What were you doing at Pack and Save? I'm a Pack and Save regular now. What, what Support a- the sponsor. Where were you beforehand? New World. Going to New World <laughs> because it's about five hundred. You, you meters claim you're a tight ass. <laughs> you, you, Mister Tight Ass. New World is the biggest. Okay, good quality. Yeah, they do have good quality. Good shopping experience. Good shopping experience. Cost you thirty bucks for a shopping experience, but yes. have you yeah. noticed the difference in price? Yes. Pack and save, and now they've done up pack and save. Mm-hmm. So it's not even, and you can choose your music. What? When you go into pack and save, you can choose your music. What do you mean? If they've got a big screen there, yeah. put your songs on. And you can walk around and your song comes on. I did on. not know that. See? The kids are going to look forward to that next week. I always take one of them because they're my packer. Yep. Uh, yep. And so they'll choose the music. Okay. I did not know that. Yep. So there you go. So I've changed, you know, pick and save and sponsor Love Triathlon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you save yourself 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's a no brainer. I can't believe you went to New World. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked and dismayed. No, yesterday, John, I did something to my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I did to my shoulder. Old. Well, like if you saw me yesterday, I'm like this. I'm like, Almost needing a sling. I had to teach last night. Yeah. I, I couldn't move my arm at all. I was in agony. Like I'm, I'm yeah. thinking, shit, I'm need an operation. Yeah. Joe goes to me. I'm gonna fix it. She puts her hand on my shoulder, does some shit. Bit of reiki. Yeah. Bit of reiki. Yeah. <laughs> she reikied me up, pulled it away. Look at it. Uh-huh. I have no pain at all. <laughs> there you go. Like it is unbelievable. Just something a little trap nerve. So if you've got any problems, 
so she has is a thousand dollars per touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't take it the wrong uh, way. <laughs> Do you know what else we did, John? We went and did the pure pod. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Did we, did I going to do the pure yeah, pod? Yeah, you did. Yeah, so I've got to tell you, glass room. Highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, we got it for a wedding gift. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that cheap. Mm-hmm. I do think you pay a pretty premium for it, but amazing. We went to Kaikoura. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Kaikoura since Quakes? No, I have not. Yeah. It's good to support local region. Yeah. I'm actually doing Kaikoura. Yeah, they were watching. Beautiful drive, though. Beautiful drive. Yeah, if you do touristy stuff, but yeah. Gosh, dude, yeah. Um, but then you go to his farm, kind of 20 minutes out of Kaikoura. You walk in this beautiful trail, 15, 20 minute walk. And there's a pure pod, so it's like a glass house, but it's high end, man. Like the shower's mm. got great pressure, <laughs> very eco friendly, so everything's recycled within the region. You've, you've got this beautiful view. There's no internet, mm-hmm. so you just relax. So it's it's reading, it's um, talking. Put a bomb, bomb, wow. In the glass room. And then, yeah, I'll tell you what, if someone, uh, just gonna say, yeah, there's a lot to see. Uh, and then, but also at night time, because there's no light pollution. So mm. the night sky is beautiful. And you fall asleep, and I woke up at like two. Awesome. So if you ever come to New Zealand, or if you're a Kiwi and you want to do something that's a little bit off the beaten track, Pure Pod, highly recommend it. It's kind of one of those things, we did one day, I reckon two would be perfect. You wouldn't want to do more yeah. than two, unless you're going to try to write a book or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but awesome, awesome, okay. highly recommend. So Pure Pod, check it out. Check it out. Other than that, John, Wanaka this weekend. Really looking forward to it. It's going to be good times. Yep. What's the weather forecast looking, Bevan? What's the weather forecast? I think it's looking all right when I, I look at the other day. I never look at weather. Pretty good. What do you reckon? I reckon it's going to be uh, 24 degrees. Windy. Windy? Oh, it's always windy. Last year we didn't get the wind. No. Do you know the best part about me doing a commentary work at, Vol- at Wanaka? It's the Mr. Whippy Man. Because he understands that if we talk about Mr. Whippy, he sells a lot of Mr. Whippies. Yeah. I Seriously, when I go get a Mr. Whippy, I don't pay for it either. He gives me... The Mr. Whippy I get, John, is unbelievable. Seriously, it's you've never seen a Mr. Whippy Feedbacks. like it in your life. Feedbacks. He, he's a good businessman. Yeah. For the cost of what's the cost of free Mr. Whippy? Maybe a dollar. Yeah. He, we sell him a lot of Mr. Whippies, but he delivers, and he gives me a couple of cans of free free Diet Coke as well. So I'm pretty nice. good about that. Anyway, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.